the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Bible's last book presents the only leader that can deliver us from the world's dilemma. He is the only leader who is wise and all-powerful. He is the unsurpassed Jesus Christ. That's Pastor Mark Finley, and this is Hope Lives 365. At Hope Lives 365, we believe God answers prayer. Keep in mind this telephone number throughout today's broadcast, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-HOPE. Here's Pastor Mark. Father, we have come to a period in our service where we're going to open the Word of God. We pray that as we do that, that you would speak to us, that your Spirit would bring deep conviction to us. We pray that we would be more conscious of the awareness that we live on the knife edge of eternity and that the signs of the times indicate that this is a special era in earth's history and that soon Jesus will come in Christ's name. Amen. Now, one of the greatest needs in America today is moral leadership. America is facing a serious leadership crisis. While there's gridlock in Washington and political parties battle to retain their turf, Millions long for some type of moral leadership. They are tired of the wrangling and debates. They're looking for solutions to the problems of war, the problems of injustice, the problems of social inequity, the problems of fragmented families, global warming, the refugee crisis in Europe, economic woes, and a multitude of other problems. Thinking people say, is there any moral leader that has the ability to lead society out of the toboggan slide that it's on. Where can the world find moral leadership to deliver us from our problems, to lift us from the pit into which we are rapidly sinking? Millions of people are asking this question. Is there some world leader on the horizon that has the international respect to influence world leaders, bring nations together, and change the course of history? See, that's the question. Now, another question is, have recent events in America indicated that millions of people actually believe that there is a world leader that does exist, one that stands above other leaders, one that can bring nations together? Pope Francis visited America. Millions of people, not only in this country, but around the world, were glued to their TV screens. He was given red carpet treatment in Washington, D.C., a welcome unlike the welcome of even the president of China. When the president of China visited America, his arrival was almost insignificant in comparison to the arrival of Pope Francis. He addressed a joint session of Congress, first time in history that a pope did that, traveled to the United Nations, made a major speech there, traveled to Philadelphia, and spoke on the... uh, nature of American families and the situation among families around the world. During the time that he was here, he addressed inequality among peoples. He addressed world hunger. He addressed the family. He addressed global warming. It was quite remarkable to see 
the millions of people attracted to the message of the Pope of Rome, featured, of course, on CNN, CBS, ABC, NBC, Fox News, MS, all of those letters <laughs> featured again and again. You could hardly turn on the television screen. Now, I was interested in the news reports and gleaned just a few. Here's what one international reporter stated about the Pope's visit. Although Pope Francis left the United States for Rome, this was written on the day he left, on Sunday, the significance of the papal outing will resonate for a long time. With the soul-lifting statements he made in the course of the visit to Cuba and subsequently to the United States, this sentence really struck me. The 266th Pope has undeniably emerged as a moral force that the world urgently needs. So here's a recognition by the international press that at a time of chaos and confusion in the world, at a time of fragmentation, at a time when many world leaders are at one another's throats, there is a moral leader that has arisen that has attracted the attention of the world. I was interested in a short article in the Catholic News Service who were really evaluating what Pope Francis said. And the Catholic News Service issued this statement, Pope Francis several speeches, especially in front of a joint session of Congress, the United Nations General Assembly and Independence Hall in Philadelphia, spell nothing short of a treatise on human politics. Now, it was rather interesting to me that the leader of the largest religious Christian organization in the world, 1.3 billion people, has bridged the gap into politics. Now, that is quite significant, but the most significant article that I read was in the Huffington Post. Now, this article is significant, and I want you to listen to it. It says, he hasn't announced his candidacy. Indeed, the job he seeks doesn't really exist. But shrewdly, methodically, and with a showman's flair, the Argentinian Jesuit priest named Pope Francis showed that he's running to become the president of the planet. That's how the news media released it. Now, I want to go on because there is something significant here. He did so in a congressional ceremony of secular civic pump in a massive legislative building, that's the U.S. Congress, that after all harks back to ancient Rome. So what we're seeing is the revival of the ancient Roman Empire. Now, the next paragraph to me is really significant in this news release. As devout as he is and as focused on the faith and practice of the Catholic Church, Francis is also campaigning to lead public, secular, political discourse worldwide. He is arguing, the news media says, that the two realms of faith and politics are one. So what we see taking place is the leader of the largest Christian body in the world making a persuasive philosophical argument that you cannot separate religion and politics, that faith and politics are indeed one. I was quite astonished when I saw the cover of Time magazine. The cover of Time has a picture of the Pope, and it says, Pope Francis and the New Roman Empire. Now, those who are familiar with church history are understandably concerned about the Pope's meteoric rise to prominence. The article, Pope Francis and the New Roman Empire. In the days of Constantine, the Roman Empire was falling apart. Pagan influences were coming down from the north, the barbarian tribes, like the Alamanni, the Anglo-Saxons, 
the Suevi, the Heruli, were taking over Europe. Constantine recognized that he had to do something if he was going to save the empire. The fragmentation in the empire was great. The challenges that were faced to stability in governments were enormous. And Constantine, a political leader, united at the time with the Pope of Rome in an attempt to Christianize Europe. Now, when that happened, two things occurred. First, there was a compromise of biblical values. That's when, of course, image worship came into the church in the fourth century. That's when Sunday worship gained prominence and many pagan practices came into the church. But there was a second thing that happened in that amalgamation of the Roman Empire, and that is the minorities were persecuted. And that's why we had what was known as the Dark or Middle Ages, church and state united. If history tells us anything, it tells us this. Every time church and state unites, these two things occur. There is a compromise of biblical values, and there is a persecution of the minorities. So those that study history are quite nervous when you look at terms, the revival of the Roman Empire. But there's another reason why Bible students are somewhat nervous, and they should be. And that is not only do they know history, but they know prophecy. And there are two prophecies in Revelation that should give us pause to think. Revelation chapter 13 talks about a time when the religious political powers will unite. And for all Christians everywhere, and specifically Seventh-day Adventists, this prophecy should give us pause. It talks about a rise of church and state power in Revelation chapter 13. And looking there at verse 3, it says in the last part, in all the world wondered after the beast. The Bible talks about the union of church and state. And it talks about the world wondering. It talks about the world being amazed at a power that would rise and that this power would come on the scene of this world's history as a moral force that would change the world. The Bible then describes the compromise and persecution that would take place. There is another prophecy that should give us pause in Revelation, the 17th chapter. In Revelation chapter 17, verse 13 and 14, should give Bible students something seriously to think about when we see the events of the last two weeks. Revelation chapter 17. And we're looking there at Revelation chapter 17, and we're looking at verse 12 and 13. Revelation chapter 17, verse 12 and 13. And the ten horns which you saw are ten kings that have received no kingdom yet. But they receive authority or power for one hour as kings with the beast. These have one mind, and they give their power and authority to the beast. So here are two predictions in Revelation where the political powers of the world and the religious powers of the world, under the auspices of world unity, under the auspices of solving the problems of the world, under the auspices of solving the injustice, the war, the climate change, under the auspices of bringing families together, that the world leaders will look for somebody that's beyond politics, somebody that stands above nationalism, some moral leader that they can look for. I wonder, are these prophecies being fulfilled before our very eyes? Now, Revelation predicts not one leader will emerge but two. 
And it's the second leader that I want to spend most of the time focusing on in our message. Revelation predicts, and it talks about what is the dragon and the lamb. It talks about the rise of the Antichrist power, but it also talks about the supremacy of a leader that is unsurpassed, Jesus Christ. And I want to focus this morning on why Jesus is the only leader that can solve the problems of this world. The Bible's last book presents the only leader that can deliver us from the world's dilemma. He is the only leader who is wise and all-powerful. He is the unsurpassed Jesus Christ. In Revelation, the dragon battles the lamb. And wonder of all wonder, marvel of all marvels, the lamb wins and the dragon loses. Now, in the book of Revelation... Jesus Christ is described as the Lamb 28 times. Now that itself is significant. In Revelation, numbers mean something. Three is the number of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then you have the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet, the false trinity. In Revelation, you have the number seven, which indicates perfection. You have number ten, which is a church number, like ten virgins. Why not Six virgins. Why not twelve? Because ten was the smallest number of Jewish men that could form a synagogue. So every time you read about ten, it's church. It has to do with church. So the ten virgins are in the church. So numbers are significant in Revelation. In Revelation, triple six. Seven is perfection. Six is imperfection. A triple six is the trinity of imperfection that stands against God. You see, twelve is completeness. Now take twenty-eight. What is it? Four times seven. Seven is perfection, four is universality. Jesus, the Lamb of God, mentioned 28 times. He is our universal, perfect Savior. You can add nothing to his salvation. You can take nothing away from his salvation. Jesus, the perfect salvation. Four is a number of universality. The points of the compass, the four winds, north, south, east, or west. Seven is the symbol of perfection. The seven seals, seven trumpets, seven candlesticks. Jesus, the Lamb of God, is the universal Savior of mankind through his perfect life and perfect sacrifice and perfect ministry above and perfect plan for the world. Nothing can be taken from it. Nothing can be added to it. Now, there are four facets of Jesus in the book of Revelation that I want to study with you. Four things that qualify him as the only true leader of this world. Four things that distinguish him from any other world leader. We're going to take our Bibles and go to Revelation chapter 1. We're going to study the unsurpassed supremacy of Christ that lifts him above all world leaders. First, there are four things about Jesus in Revelation that we're going to study. First, he is the revealing Christ. Second, he is the redeeming Christ. Thirdly, he is the returning Christ. Fourthly, he is the reigning Christ, the revealing Christ. We look at Revelation chapter 1, verse 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave him to show his servants things which must shortly take place. And he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant John. He is the revealing Christ. The Father gave to Jesus an eternal message. Jesus gave it to the angel. The angel then gave it to John. And John wrote it down for you and me. With a world seeking answers about the future, the book of Revelation provides those answers. In a world of uncertainty, in a world of confusion, no human being knows the future. But we can be thankful for a God that knows the future. 
He's got the whole world in his hands. We are secure in him. We are safe in him. This world is not going to be destroyed in some spinning globe of ash. It is not going to be destroyed at some world hunger with people clawing at one another for living space. Here is the incredible good news. While world leaders are confused about the future, while the future looks murky and dark and foggy and uncertain, Jesus Christ has revealed the future. And that's incredibly good news. Now look at Matthew chapter 24, verse 32 to 33. Now it's interesting to me and quite fascinating that after Jesus gives his sermon about the signs of the times, Jesus makes a strong appeal to his people. Jesus does not make an appeal sharing with them the exact time of his coming. We can know his coming is near, but we can never know when his coming is here. We will not know his coming is here until we see him coming in the clouds of heaven with power and glory. So notice what Jesus says. The emphasis of Jesus in Matthew 24, famines, earthquakes, fires, floods, war, rise of crime and violence, comes to a climax itself in Matthew chapter 24, verse 32 and 33. Now learn this parable from the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and puts forth leaves, you know that summer is what? Near. So you also, when you see all these things, know that some translations say it is near. But do you have a little number by the word it there in your Bible that refers you to a marginal reference? What's the marginal reference? He. So much better translation. So you also, when you see all these things, how many of these things? All of them. Are we seeing all these things fulfilled around us today? Know that he is what? Near even at the door. So where is Jesus? Where is Jesus now? He is what? Near. How near is near? At the door. How close can I be to your house without coming in? At the what? At the door. Now, since he is at the door, what is his appeal to you and me? Matthew chapter 24. And we're looking there at verse 44. Matthew 24, verse 44. Therefore you also be what? Ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour you don't expect him. So when the world looks to the Middle East and sees confusion in Syria, when they're concerned about unrest and trouble in Iraq, when they see Russia beginning to move into a Middle East crisis, when you look at Boko Haram and terrorism and ISIS in Africa, when you see global warming and instability everywhere, when you see famine and earthquake, what do we know? The world looks for a leader, a political, moral leader to bring society together. We look for a leader too. But our leader is Jesus Christ. He comes from the sky. He descends from heaven. Now there is a fascinating statement written by Ellen White in a book called Child Guidance, page 555, in which she says, transgression has almost reached its limit. What's transgression? What's another name for transgression? Sin. So sin almost has reached its limit. Is there a limit beyond which God will allow sin to go? It says transgression has almost reached its what? limit. So sin, wickedness, is not going to go on indefinitely. Next sentence. Confusion fills the world. Are we living in a time of confusion? And a great terror is soon to come on human beings. 
The end is very near. God's people. Are we God's people? What should we be doing? Should be preparing for what is to break upon the world as an overwhelming surprise. We look for divine solutions to the world's problem. The world looks for human solutions. That's the essential difference. And so we are preparing for something. What are we preparing for? Something that's going to break upon this world as an overwhelming surprise. Now, how do you prepare? Prophets and Kings, page 626. Wonderful book. If you're not familiar with it, commentary on the Old Testament. Christians should be preparing for what's soon to break upon the world as an overwhelming surprise. We read that, didn't we? What is this preparation? In this preparation they should make by diligently studying the Word of God and striving to conform their life to its precepts. What is the appeal of the hour from the revealing Christ? The revealing Christ reveals personally to you and me the trauma, challenges, and difficulties ahead. And the Christ who reveals the future gives us an urgent appeal to our knees to know him individually, to open our hearts to him, to let him speak to us in the quietness of our homes, to fill our minds with the word of God. If Neville, blind, cannot see the word like you and I see it, can commit his mind to memorizing the entire book of Hebrews, the entire book of First John, if he makes that commitment to God, is that not a challenge for those of us who have two eyes to see? He sees, but he sees in a little different way than you and I see. He sees in his mind. Is that not a challenge to us? The revealing Christ speaks to you, speaks to me, to fill our minds with the word of God. Four things about Jesus in the book of Revelation that sets him above all other world leaders. First, he is the only one that can reveal the future. Amen. Others may guess, others may project, but what Jesus says about the future is true because he is the way, the truth, and the life. But there's a second thing in those first five verses of the book of Revelation that I want you to notice. He is the revealing Christ, but he is also the redeeming Christ. There is only one that hung upon the cross. There is only one who had nails through his hands. There's only one that had crown of thorns upon his head. There's only one who hung between heaven and space and died for humanity. There's only one who can provide salvation. No religious leader can do that. The scripture says in Revelation chapter 1, and you're looking there at Revelation 1 and verse 5. It's talking about the book of Revelation. It says, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness the firstborn from the dead and ruler over the kings of the earth to whom loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father. To him be glory, dominion forever and ever. Now notice Jesus does two things there. He washes us from our sins in his own blood and he makes us, he washes us and makes us. We come to the cross. We come there with guilt. We come there with shame. We come there with failure. We come there looking over our lives and acknowledge that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Jeremiah 17, verse 9. We come and acknowledge with the prophet Isaiah, chapter 54, verse 6, all our righteousness is filthy rags. We come with guilt. We come with shame. We come with nothingness. 
And we come and say, Jesus, nothing in my hand I bring, but to thy cross I cling. And we come clinging to the one that died. We come opening our hearts to receive his righteousness. The greatest need of our world is not peace in the world, it's peace in our hearts. Thanks for listening today. Don't forget that you can find today's broadcast online at hopelives365.com. Survival is big business these days. People spend thousands of dollars on wilderness survival camps. They want to learn how to survive in light of all of these unprecedented natural disasters and the potential for nuclear attack. But there's one area that most people don't give much thought to, and that is spiritual survival. Pastor Mark's book, The Ultimate Survivor, will provide you with practical steps on how you can survive spiritually. And call right now to get that book. We'd love for you to have a copy. Don't forget that our prayer team is also available at that number 24-7 to pray with you. Join us again next time on Hope Lives 365. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.